If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 189 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I'm your host, Mike Scudero, here on July 23rd, 2023, the second to last episode of the month of July. And speaking of the second to last episode of the month of July, it's the second to last weekend, that means, of the month of July. And I have to say, That after I slandered the way the summer weather has been here in New York so far in summer 2023, I do have to say, of course, this would naturally happen the very next weekend after I say this, because that's the way things go. But I do have to say, I'm very pleased to report that for one of the only times it feels like this entire summer so far, this weekend, both yesterday and today, both days have been met with stunning weather, which has either rarely happened this summer or maybe not even happened at all because it seems like nearly every single weekend the weather here in New York has sucked. But it has finally been beautiful this weekend, which is awesome to see. You know what else has been beautiful this weekend is Yankees baseball. And if I would have done this episode, (laughs) maybe after Wednesday, I would not be saying that. And we'll get through all of that when we get their weekly recap and talk about what the Yankees been doing this past week since we last spoke on the 16th. But the Yankees just got done with a series this weekend. And a lot of people will say this is the reason why this weekend was very nice. And you know what? You wouldn't be ridiculous for thinking that because it's very plausible to think so. But the Yankees just got done with one of the worst teams in baseball in the Kansas City Royals. They just got done sweeping them. As of today, the time I'm recording, the game ended maybe a couple hours ago. It's just shortly after 6 o'clock, the time I'm taping right now. So, yes, should they have swept the Royals? Absolutely. I was just with you last weekend on Sunday saying that if they're even half respectable, they will take a series against the Angels and sweep the Royals. That's what I was thinking. At least take a series against the Angels. And I said, I also said, considering how the team has been doing, and the fact that they really don't give us any reason to be optimistic whatsoever, that they could fail at both of those things, that they could fail to even win either series. Well, they got swept in Anaheim after that, so I wasn't really too surprised, even though I was really disappointed and upset by it, as were we all, all of us Yankee fans, but they did get the job done this weekend against the Royals, so they went 3-3 three and three again this week after... They forced me to break out into a Joker laughter right here on Yapping Yankees last Sunday after that insane loss to the Rockies. And you know what? All I got to say is that, yes, it was a bad team this weekend. Awful team. Second worst, I believe, in Major League Baseball, the Kansas City Royals. So could that play a role in it? It absolutely could. But you know what? What do I always say, guys? Always say when it comes to bad teams. Every single time. The thing I always say is that you have to beat the bad ones too. And that's why, while it's something they should have done, absolutely, they should sweep the Royals, you can't completely discount them for it or completely just 
roll it off your shoulder and say it's no big deal at all. Because if you think about it, there have been plenty of teams the Yankees should have done this to as well. Hell, last weekend (laughs) against Colorado. How at the end of the game, it really seemed like the game was in the bag. And I was saying, good, this is a series that they really, really need. Because they really should beat the Rockies in a series at least, regardless of whether it's in Colorado or Yankee Stadium. Regardless of how hectic Coors Field can be, you need to at least, at least beat the Rockies in a series. They couldn't even do that. And that was just one of a few examples of the Yankees losing series to teams that they should not have lost. You could even argue that the Angels this past week, to start the week, they were an under 500 team when the Yankees went to confront them in Anaheim. Wasn't the case after they were done, but that was another team. So there have been plenty of series this year, in the first half of this year, where the Yankees did not at least win a series against teams they should easily have. Even earlier on in the year, I believe they lost a series to the Twins too. Even though the Twins were better at that point, but the Twins are still not an unbelievable team by any stretch of the imagination. The Yankees have a better record than them. Even now, after the game is over, I'll just double-check that. But let me see right here. Yeah, they're still a half a game better. Meanwhile, the Yankees, because the Red Sox haven't played yet today, depends on what they do against the Mets tonight, and I'll have that game on in a second. I'm going to put it on my TV at 7 o'clock. But depending on what happens there, the Yankees are neck and neck with the Red Sox still for last place like they were last week when we last spoke. Yet, in a division like the Central, they'd be a half a game over the Twins in first place. That's the way it goes. It's the division the Yankees play in. It is what it is. But my point is, there have been plenty of series that the Yankees have lost that they should have won. Maybe even series that they got swept in that they should have won at least. So that's why I can't completely discredit this or completely just say it's no big deal whatsoever. It is a big deal, at least a little bit, because this team has been a miserable watch for the vast majority of the first half. So I'll take wins wherever I can get them, especially if it's a sweep. This is the first sweep since the series in Cincinnati months ago. So it shows you how much of a tough time the Yankees have had sweeping series in the last couple of months, at least. So these are reasons why I can't completely discount it altogether. Because for this team, which nothing good is guaranteed with, it is a bigger deal. You can't guarantee anything positive with this team the way they have for the vast majority, the way they've played for the vast majority of the first half. You just can't. So when something like this happens, it's really good. And the center of discussion from today, for me at least... I have to say, I know a lot of eyes were on Severino after he managed to have a decent start, a pretty good start in Anaheim. He did walk three guys, gave up a lot of hits still, but still six innings of one-run ball there. Well, he came back out today, tried to have a good start for a second time out in a row, Luis Severino, so a lot of eyes were on him, and we'll get to him in a bit as well. He's uh, been a big topic of discussion in Yankee land for weeks and weeks now about being one of the biggest problems on the team, aside from the offense, obviously. But, he came out again today, a lot of eyes were on him, but the biggest story for me today was Anthony Rizzo, I do have to say this, he had a hell of a day today, he finally, to cap it all off, the most important thing for me, to be honest, was the fact that today was the day, (laughs) on the calendar, which was over two months long now, of this going on, for the first time in over two months, he finally finally hit a ball out of the damn ballpark. Holy crap! 
a holy crap is definitely deserved there by Frank Barone, no doubt. Even just yesterday, he snapped an 0 for 20. So up until just this weekend, and yes, you could say it was against the Royals, whatever, but regardless, it didn't matter who they were facing these last two months, good or bad, he wasn't doing crap the vast majority of the time. He had a couple of flashes here and there that quickly died away, and he just went back to absolutely stinking up the joint. So again, I'll take it whenever I can get it and however I can get it. But Rizzo, despite still having a long way to go, has had a very nice weekend, went 4-for-4 four four today, hitting his first home run in over two months since May 20th. It's July 23rd, people. <laughs> that is crazy. He's still got a long way to go, but my God. If you're crying out loud, you got to start somewhere, right? I mean, we've spoken endlessly on a loop for over a month and a half now. What would have to happen for the team to at least stay afloat without Aaron Judge since he went down? And there was a lot of news about Aaron Judge today, which we will get to later as well. But of all the things that had to happen for the team to stay afloat, we were talking about with the offense in particular because, yes, you're losing a lot of defense too, which a lot of people forget right off the bat with Judge. You're losing a lot of defense as well, but obviously you're mostly losing the offense, despite how elite the defense is as well. One of the better outfielders in baseball, if not the best. However, obviously the first thing you think of losing when Aaron Judge goes down is the offense. So, with that being said, without that bat there, you look to other bats in the lineup. We've spoken about this endlessly to put the team on their back and really try to fill the void of Aaron Judge, even though realistically you can't because of what Aaron Judge represents and what you get with him on the field. But especially with the veterans, just get whoever you can get to help out in any way they can. And one of those X factors was obviously from the start, Anthony Rizzo. And of all the offensive woes and inexcusable struggles throughout the entire lineup, for all that time <laughs> since Judge has gone down, I have to say that no matter how much I love Rizzo, always have and always will, Rizzo has been right up there for the most, single most horrendous and absolutely baffling struggles anyone had seen, especially myself in particular. I mean, especially in his entire career. We've spoken about how he never been through a stretch like the one he's been through in his entire career over the span of multiple months. I mean, especially you consider the entire outlook of his season from starting out the first near two months, seemingly with a career year, in his early to mid-30s, which is so rare, to looking like he's just about ready to retire. <laughs> for the next two months or so up till now since the collision with Tatis Jr. at first base. And I tell you, it's a difference in play that I've quite possibly never seen within such a quick time span from as highly regarded especially and liked a player that Rizzo is. I mean, I have never seen anything like that. I don't think many others have either. So any sign of life, given the overall spectrum of his season and how it's gone, 
regardless of the opponent, I could not care less who it is. Royals or the freaking Braves. I don't care. Any sign of life out of Anthony Rizzo after these last two months or so is more than welcomed. (laughs) I mean, even today, just aside from hitting his first home run in over two months, it was also his first four-hit game since August of 2019. August 4th, I think. Four for four today. So I will take whatever I can get. I will stress that constantly about Anthony Rizzo. As far as the rest of the lineup, because the offense has been the center of discussion for months now as the main thing bringing the team down. And you even see the stats after today's game, like how great the Yankees are, how much better of a team they are when they score as much as just four-plus runs a game. They're like the fifth or sixth best team in baseball. Like, wow, who would have known? You score runs and you actually do well? Wow. Mind-blowing revelation right there. But it's the truth. You have to score to win, and the stats reflect that, especially with the Yankees, especially when they are being the Bronx Bombers and hitting home runs. Their record automatically is better as well, and they do that a lot because that is their identity, like it or not. Yes, you do need a balance of guys putting the bat on the ball overall and driving in runs any way they can, but it is just a fact of nature almost, that when the New York Yankees, the Bronx Bombers, are hitting home runs, more often than not, they're usually going to be going through some good times. So Anthony Rizzo finally showing signs of life after snapping an 0 for 20 yesterday and having a fantastic day today, looking better than he has looked in multiple months. How about the rest of the lineup? We've been talking about the offense forever. Well, and I got these couple of stats when it comes to DJ and Stanton from a Twitter account that I follow, and they follow me, and we interact sometimes. I want to give them a shout-out right here. Yankees Files, at Yankees Files. Go follow them. And they put out interesting WRC Plus stats about Stanton and DJ. Now, DJ, since the 4th of July... So throughout July, even though it's still been rough at times for DJ, obviously, DJ's had multiple months of horrible offensive woes, like Rizzo and... Stanton for a while after he came back from injury had. I mean, Stanton for those first couple of days looked great homering in LA and everything, but then it just went completely downhill after that until the last few weeks. But DJ since the 4th of July actually has a 116 WRC+. If he can maintain that, that'd be awesome. They're absolutely right about that. And he actually, coming into today, had hit safely in 10 of his last 11 games. And he had another hit today. It was 1 for 3, I believe. So... DJ is at least putting the bat on the ball a little bit more, which is definitely welcomed. I mean, again, this offense-starved team, despite having a better weekend, uh, they can use as much offense from as many guys as they can possibly get their hands on, as we've spoken about. And uh, as far as also what DJ has done in his last eight games, so again, we said 10 of his last 11 coming into today, and he had another hit today, he had hit safely. His last eight games... The Yes Network had a graphic up today. I believe this is in the pregame. But last eight games coming into today, he was hitting 345, and he had another hit today, so that average might be floating around the same thing. 345, four runs scored in 517 slugging. And obviously, he had that big go ahead home run yesterday as well, DJ LeMayhew. So that's looking a lot better. Also, in the pregame, Giancarlo 
in his last 10 games coming into today. Six home runs. He's been homering a lot lately, again, which is always great to see. He's actually closing in on 400 career home runs, too. He's less than 10 away. So six home runs, 13 RBIs, and a 692 slugging in his last 10 games coming into today's game. And also another fact statistically by Yankees Files on Twitter that they tweeted with his WRC+. That since June 25th, he's had a 131 WRC+. And just for those who don't know about that stat, just a basic fact about it, 100 is average. 131 is decently above that. So he's been good with producing runs lately. So, and he has been running into some bad luck lately as well. I will say that. He's hit a lot of balls in the screws right at people or just, but I I don't use that as too much of an excuse. I'm just saying he has hit the ball well lately in a lot of at-bats that he's even made outs in is my point. But if they could keep that kind of run production up, DJ and Stanton, that'd be good. That's a part of the puzzle. And if Rizzo can even somewhat continue what he's done in the last couple of days, especially today, then you have the three main X-Factors right there doing what they have to do alongside guys like Harrison Bader. So, and Glaber Torres, of course, he had the hip tightness today, and he's not even going for tests. We'll discuss that more later. I mean, there's not really much to talk about. He was taken out of the game late. Anthony Volpe came in for him, and... It sounds pretty optimistic with Glaber. Not going for tests. He said right after he was taken out that his hip was already feeling better, so he could be back immediately, from the way it sounds at least, as of now, at the very moment I'm recording. But you have Glaber doing what he's done on offense for some time now. He's probably been the most consistent of any of those X-Factors. And you have Harrison Bader. Yeah, he's slowed down a bit at times, but he, he had another RBI single today, and he'll still be doing his thing. You know, Thank God he was back in the lineup today after that hit-by-pitch on Wednesday in Anaheim. But if you have the other main three, Rizzo, Stanton, and DJ, I mean, that'll lead to so much more run production. And the real test, yes, is of course going to come when we see them against better teams than teams than that of the Royals, for instance. But if you could get better run production out of them, if they could keep this up, then this team could definitely start to turn things around because their main, their main difficulty for some time now, <laughs> for months, has been the offense. So if they get those guys right in the middle of everything that were expected to help keep this team afloat from the very beginning of losing Aaron Judge, if they could continue this trend that they've been on for a little while now, for a little bit, about a week, week and a half or so, then that could mean good things for the team. That could be the complete turnaround. The bullpen had experienced some difficulty. I mean, we saw that when we were talking last Sunday. Lately, but if they could just get back to it as well, just what they've done for the vast majority of the season, despite being burnt out and the rotation can keep doing its thing, who knows, man? Obviously, the real test is going to come, like I said, against better teams. That's going to be really whether we see whether the Yankees are really for real or not, if this could be the start of a turnaround, which may or may not be the main subject of this episode. And a part of the social media segment, or just the social media segment later on, hence the episode title, For Real, because that is the question. Was this just the Yankees taking advantage of playing a really bad team this weekend in the Kansas City Royals, or could factors like this be the start of a legitimate turnaround after they had just finished a bad series in Anaheim prior? Could this be the liftoff, the starting point of any sort of a turnaround for this Yankees team, or was it just taking advantage of a bad team? That may or may not actually be the legit exact question of the social media segment later on in the show. Spoiler alert. Anyway, that's my point. That's a big aspect of the team. Big part of it. 
the offense. I mean, some may argue it is the part, because throughout the vast majority of the season, the pitching has done its job. It's really up to the bats. When you score, good things happen. So, the offense, man, you can only hope. The Yankees did have a couple of guys coming off the injured list today as well, one of them being Jake Bowers. He had a hit today, so we'll see how much he can contribute in his comeback. We mentioned Glaber before. Obviously, Glaber has been one of the more consistent hitters on the team for some time now. He has had his continued mental lapses in the field as well as at the plate sometimes, but his run production being one of the only consistent hitters in the entire lineup for some time now has helped out with that a bit. So, Glaber continues to do his thing with the bat. He had another home run today, and he, in fact, is, I believe, leading all second baseman in home runs. Today was his 16th home run, so Honestly, good job by Glaber. Stanton, we talked about him already. Rizzo, we spoke about the day that he had. DJ, we've been talking about what he's been doing lately. Hopefully, he continues on some sort of an upward trend because, I mean, you need DJ. You need him. You just do. If you're going to be anything worth a damn, he's got to be in the middle of it being the catalyst that he was for all those years to start his Yankee tenure. Bader. You know, Bader's just, he's doing his thing right now. Had an RBI single today, like I mentioned before. And today was his first time in multiple days back in the starting lineup. So, we'll see how he continues on. His defense continues to be good for the most part. And you expect him to continue to come through, especially in clutch situations, because that's mainly what he does. McKinney's found himself back in the lineup again a bunch lately. And he has actually had a bit of a resurgence lately. Remember, we were talking about for a while that the McKinney magic seems to have definitely expired well, there's definitely cause to say that, but it's been a little bit of a bounce back lately. Oswald Peraza, it's been good to have him back. He's shown the leather on defense like he often does, and, you know, he's coming through on offense here and there. But that'll continue the more time he gets up here, I'm convinced of it. So he needs to see consistent gameplay as he has. He actually started the game at shortstop today, which I really liked. Higashioka, you know, he's still just doing his thing offensively, doesn't really do much. He's good for the occasional big hit at times, but other than that, he is what he is. We've seen him play for years now. We know what Higgy is. And Volpe, he was actually out of the lineup today, like I said. Peraza started the game at shortstop, so Volpe had the day off until he came off the bench late in the game after Glaber was taken out with that hip tightness we learned after. And uh, Volpe made out in the one at-bat he had in that seventh inning today. But otherwise, Volpe had uh, definitely slowed down again. So... Numbers back down a bit, but, I mean, so who knows? Maybe it's back to the drawing board for him, figuring it out, breaking out of the slump because he had definitely adjusted very nicely for the most part after, for for weeks after sitting down with Austin Wells and really just analyzing what he was doing there at that present moment when he was struggling as opposed to what he did when he was successful down in the minors. But now it seems like he's uh, been struggling a bit again, but... We'll see what happens. A lot of people have continued to say that they would like to see him at second base. I'm not totally opposed to that, but then again, what do you do with Glaber? <laughs> that's that's the thing. A lot of people have continued talking about trading Glaber as well, and maybe you do do that later on, depending especially on who they end up getting back in whatever trade they end up making. But it's also very tough because Glaber has been one of your better hitters on the team, arguably the best hitter on the team without Aaron Judge. 
So that's very difficult despite the mental lapses that he has out on the field, especially defensively at times. But that does make it difficult to just say, oh yeah, Glaber gone in two seconds. Yeah, there's a couple of guys in baseball that I'd say, yeah, I would give him away for. Just some overwhelmingly great options that would turn any, turn any team around. But for just about anybody else, other than those couple of names, maybe a Soto or an Otani, just God-tier names like that, it's tough to just say, yeah, dump Glaber off, trade him wherever. It's tough. Whether you like him or not, no matter how crazy his mental lapses get to you. I mean, it drives me nuts too, trust me. I go crazy when they happen. Just pay the hell attention, you say to yourself. But he does have a redeeming factor. Whether you like him or not, whether you like it or not, he does have that redeeming factor that you have to remember he's one of the better hitters on the team, if not the best hitter on the team these last couple of months in Judge's absence. It's just the facts. I'm sorry. Sorry if you don't like it, but that's just the way it is. Blame the other guys for slumping the way they have for months. Because that played a part in that too. So that's really a, a general consensus of the entire lineup like we've had a tendency of doing for some time now. But that's really the thing. A lot has... It was an eventful week. It was really weird. They got swept and then they did some sweeping. So 3-3 three and three this past week against the Angels and the Royals. I really would have liked at least 5-1. and one. Ideally, that would have been the week that... I think we all would have loved. I mean, 6-0 and being the best possible, but 5-1 and saying that they should have won in L.A. and swept the Royals, I don't think that's a tall ask from any team that claims to be as half-decent as the Yankees claim themselves to be. But in any event, if you want to also have me mention what they are now without Aaron Judge, after last Sunday's disgraceful loss against the Rockies, they found themselves at 15-19. and now after 3-3, three and three, that obviously makes them 18-22 and 22 without Aaron Judge. So after an even 3-3 three and three week, losing 3 and then winning 3, getting swept and then sweeping the Royals, they are now still a team that is four games under 500 without Aaron Judge. And just for the people out there who claim that the Yankees couldn't possibly be that different when it comes to just one guy being in the lineup, well, like I always say, you can... Just look at the numbers with and without and just have the numbers tell you for themselves if that's what you really need at the end of the day. And fortunately, our main man on the Yes Network during Yankees batting practice, or BPTV as they call it on the Yes Network, you had Jack Curry today give these statistics when it comes to how the Yankees play with and without Aaron Judge. Well, without Aaron Judge, coming into today, obviously because, again, Jack Curry gave these stats prior to the game, the Yankees were 17-22, and they're now 18-22, and and they were averaging less than four runs per game. Just under four runs per game, but still under four runs a game. And that probably went up a bit after today because they scored eight freaking runs, so that probably went a bit up today. But still, a big difference from being 35-25 and with him and scoring about five runs per game, five-plus runs per game. So, that is a big difference. So, getting Aaron Judge back is obviously invaluable, and I will continue to argue how important he is for this team as long as statistics like this validly exist and are given out on a regular basis to remind the people who are in denial about how important he really is just because they're frustrated that he's been out this long, as if it is his fault that he bashes his foot into a nonsensical cement slab leading up to a defective gate in Dodger Stadium. <laughs> I will just die on this hill. I will, because it is an absolutely absurd argument from those people. So, 
Anyway, why don't we get to Yankees news, because a lot did happen in Yankees news, despite having a lot to talk about from this past week that we have scratched the surface with at this point, and we'll continue to go even more in on with the weekly recap after this. But a lot even did happen off the field, on the side, in Yankees news this past week. A lot to report with that. So as usual, we'll do Yankees news, then we'll do weekly recap, and then we will end the show with the return of the social media segment, because again, we did not have one last week, which reminds me, before we continue forward any more in this episode, I did want to take a second to say thank you to all of those who wished me well after last week. I obviously did not have the social media segment last week because I wanted to make it a somewhat shorter show, even though I spectacularly failed at that. Thanks mostly in part to me reacting in live time to the Yankee game and them driving me insane as a result of it, therefore definitely lengthening the podcast to the point where I did it with the usual length that I usually do every single week, even though I didn't do a social media freaking segment. But regardless, my goal was to make it a shorter episode because my voice was still not at full capacity from being under the weather, and a lot of people wished me well from that, so I want to thank you all. As always, you were always so good to me, all of you guys. I have such a good and loyal following and listenership, and I could not be more grateful for that. I really can't. You guys are all the best. I am better this week. My cough is still there slightly. The phlegm is still there a little bit. I'm also convinced that the smoke that's still around a little bit on the East Coast, I am convinced, and I was saying this a lot this past week, that that is probably messing me up at least a little bit, because I did notice that I did go to the beach for a bit on Thursday night, and I was outside for about three and a half hours, and after I did that, when I came home, I was coughing a lot, and my chest felt tight, and I felt fine, you know, the same way I've been feeling since I was on the mend, since after that, since I took a hot shower, and and the steam, you know, the steam opens you up, it opens up your nasal passages, opens up your chest if it's tight, so that helped, and I stopped coughing after that, but before that, I mean, I felt like I had smoker lungs, and I have never touched a cigarette, cigar, drugs, and I've never even been drunk before with alcohol, so I am straight edge. So, I have never been a smoker in my life, but I've been around secondhand smoke before, as have we all. That's inevitable, unfortunately. But I know that my chest did not feel normal. And I was outside for about three and a half to four hours straight, and all I know is that my chest was tight and I was coughing like a madman after that until I took a hot shower that opened everything up. So, I definitely think, especially also considering a lot of people have been experiencing identical symptoms to me that I've had. I think that this is screwing us up a lot. I do. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not even sure if it's an actual sickness or a virus or an infection or anything because I would have been in much worse shape by now if it was. And I had my energy throughout the entire time of this thing. Could it have been an allergy attack? Yeah, that could be a reason why I still had my energy. But a bad enough allergy attack will still make you feel full-on sick and drain you of some energy. I still had energy. I, I said last week I was still doing workouts. And I did even this past week too. So I've been working out since this started. My energy was never diminished at any point. So I don't know what it could be, what it could have been, what it continues to be because it is still slightly lingering. I have no idea. It's been my first time in a lot of years, as I also mentioned last week, that I've been under the weather during the summer. But I'm just glad I'm on the mend because there is something very big coming up. In August... August 6th, to be specific, which is exactly two weeks from now. Yeah, two weeks from now. So I'll give that official announcement next week. It's not really important right now. It will impact Yapping Yankees also. It is an important announcement, but I'll push that off to next week. But as long as I am better fully by then, then we're all good here. But 
the point of this whole spiel from the beginning was, as I just continue to ramble like I always do, was I wanted to thank you all for giving me your well wishes and saying that you hope I feel better and everything. I continue to get better every day. And I just wish the phlegm and cough would go completely away instead of just slightly lingering and annoying the hell out of me still. But we're all good here doing the usual Yapping Yankees episode back to it today. And that's that's the main important thing. But next segment, Yankees news. We'll start right on Monday. So we obviously spoke about how Donaldson got hurt with his calf. We spoke about that last week already. It had just happened, I believe, a day prior to last week's episode. So it was very fresh. So that's why shortly after that, just the very next day after we spoke, an official diagnosis came out for him. And we were talking about how bleak it sounded for him. They did not sound optimistic in the Yankee clubhouse. And Donaldson himself, despite saying he's trying to be positive, did not sound positive himself. Well, we now saw why they were not sounding very positive. Because on Monday, the official diagnosis was released for his injury, and it was a grade 2 to 3 calf strain. Now, grade 2 or 3, especially 3, when you hear that, especially at this point in the season where there's just maybe a bit over two months left, and that's it, it's going to be looking pretty bad for you. And obviously they say timetable's unknown, which is to be expected, but like I said, in most any case... Grade 2 and especially grade 3. If it has anything to do with grade 3, you're in trouble with most any strain. But it's pretty extreme. It is. And I do have to say this, despite my personal feelings on Donaldson, which I have made more than clear for a long time now, I'm not even going to repeat them anymore because I'm sure people are about to hit me over the head with a hammer if I do again. Had enough of hearing me say the same old freaking thing. Just try to get through the people who are not smart or intelligent enough to comprehend what I'm trying to say. But... Personal feelings aside, I will genuinely be surprised if we see him on the field as a Yankee again. I'm not saying this could be what retires him, even if he doesn't come back for the rest of this year, because he could sign somewhere else and another team could be willing to give him a shot, despite his age, and despite how much injury trouble he's had on the whole this year, overall. But, as a Yankee especially, I would be genuinely surprised if we see him on the field again. It's just not enough time. It's not enough time. It's too devastating of an injury. And even aside from that, how much time he's missed from injury this year, and they say that even this problem, along with a few other ailments, is just a lot of things he's been dealing with for months, and it's just not a good look. And you factor in, despite the occasional home run, yes, you factor in what he was doing on the whole offensively when he was playing, it's nothing to write home about at all, to say the least, to be kind about it. So... This Yankee tenure for Josh Donaldson since he was traded for right before the start of the 2022 season, I think it's safe to say that with this very likely putting a bow on all of it, it was very bad. (laughs) Very bad. And although I'd like to be very happy and officially rub into everybody that I was right about it from the start, it's not something that I'm happy about. Why would I be happy about someone on the team that I root for failing? and not helping the team to succeed the way I want them to succeed day in and day out. There's, whenever I predict something negative, I'm not doing it to hope I'm right or to sound like I'm smarter than the next guy. That's not why I'm doing it. It's genuinely what I think. And if I'm right about it, great. But I'm not going to be thrilled about it, especially if it comes at the cost of production on the team that I root for. <laughs> I mean, come on. So I will just emphasize, especially if this is in fact the last time we see him in a Yankee uniform, that I was right. So to all the people that were telling me I have no right 
to have the opinions that I had at any point throughout this whole thing and personally insulting me and taking a baseball debate way too far, then you could go kick some rocks. How about that? Sound good? So that's the deal. Donaldson does sound like he's done. He was transferred to the 60-day injured list on Thursday, which obviously at the time, like any 60-day IL transfer, opens up a 40-man roster spot. And as a result of that, on Thursday, the Yankees selected and signed right into pitcher Matt Bowman to a major league contract, and they did option him to AAA. So, I guess that fills your spot right there. Willie Calhoun also, on Thursday, started his rehab assignment, so more injury news, but positive injury news. Always good to hear guys coming back and working their way back. Unfortunately, Friday would bring the bad aspect of the injury news because it was revealed that Trevino was put on the injured list for a torn wrist injury. And from what, I have no idea. All we do know is that the Yankees did reveal, after this announcement was given out to the public, that this was an issue that Trevino was dealing with on and off since spring training. And he had been experiencing pain, and he apparently had it in his head that eventually he would no longer be able to handle the pain and he would no longer be able to play and contribute to the team the way that he knows he could and the way that he wanted to. So yet another really baffling decision injury-wise by the Yankees given how they choose to have their load management and rotating days off and babying certain guys despite them getting hurt anyway. And now with something that could develop into something as serious as this, they decide that when a problem goes back as far as spring training, and this just isn't a good look naturally with an organization that has had horrible injury fortune for years now. It's just not a good look. But for someone to have the kind of pain that he was having going all the way back to spring training, and Trevino himself even now admitting, and yes, hindsight, I know, but now admitting that he knew eventually that he would not be able to take this pain anymore. And especially given how brutal his offense has been all year. Now, a lot of people could argue that he was just reverting back to his Texas days. That's what I was saying. It's very reasonable to think so because they were very much mirroring his Texas offensive days. But regardless, after the year he had last year, and if you're the Yankees knowing that this is going on with him, you let him play until almost August with this? And now you have him get season-ending surgery. It's like, why do you do the certain things that you do with other people? Granted, yes, those people are their own individual cases, but it's just baffling with the way they handle certain guys. And you have an issue like this that goes back as far as spring training, and you know it could end up badly. The player himself thinks that eventually he won't be able to handle the pain anymore. And for months, you're seeing what he's doing with the bat, or I guess not doing. And, And then it just... It's kept under wraps all this time, and then it's just revealed that he has a torn wrist and he's done for the rest of the year, the Yankees' main catcher. It's like, what the, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> like, it's just, it's annoying. It's from the public perspective, and yes, a lot of people say, oh, you're not obligated to know everything, Mike. Who do you think you are? Fine, whatever. I mean, I don't know who you think you are talking to me like that in the first place for no freaking reason, but it's just weird. From the perspective of the public, that's all I'm saying. It's just bizarre. And knowing how the Yankees tend to handle a lot of other guys with their injuries, it's really weird. It's a weird look. 
So out of nowhere, when we weren't even under the impression, other than maybe a, a brief IL stint or two otherwise elsewhere at other times of the year, just out of nowhere, hit with Trevino's done for the year. So he's getting season-ending wrist surgery done, and we're not going to see him until 2024. So, as a result of it, the Yankees need a second catcher, obviously, to go alongside Higashioka now. So, they recalled Ben Rortvet, who's been back down in the minors for a while now, ever since Trevino returned from his prior injury. That was a shorter stint on the injured list as well. But, without Trevino for the rest of the year now, it's going to have to be a Higashioka and Rortvet duo, at least for now, unless they happen to make some sort of a trade deadline move for a catcher for some reason. But... That's going to be the deal going forward. So Trevino, out of nowhere, done for the year. Done. That's it. So his defense will be missed. He obviously did have his his share of mistakes here and there defensively, which was baffling at the time. But on the whole, uh, and I made sure to make this clear to everybody, he's still been <laughs> one of the better defensive catchers around. Period. So that will be missed with Trevino, that's for sure. And a lot of people will say, oh, you know, well, that's clearly the reason, the wrist, why he has been doing the way he's been offensively. Because I've definitely been vocal about, especially in comparison to last year, granted last year is looking like an outlier, career year offensively, that he was completely different from last year, not in a good way. And a lot of people will say, oh, the wrist was the reason for that. I say that he was just really reverting back to what he really was for so many years with Texas offensively. And you get Trevino mainly for his defense. That's what we said about him at the moment that he was acquired, that he was traded for. So, And then you managed to last year get a lot of offense out of him, which was just a gift at that point because that's not what you expected. I say that he could very well have just reverted back to that Texas form. Could the wrist have played a role in him decreasing offensively? Sure, it could have. I'm just not sure it's the main reason. Because that was what he was when he's been for most of 2023. That was what he was for most of his career offensively. But regardless of the reason, unfortunately, and until he's fully healed, hopefully fully healed in 2024, they say he should be ready for spring training. But until he's ready for 2024, there's really no way to tell whether or not the wrist really was the main factor. We'll see how he bounces back in 2024. 2024 is another arbitration year for him, so I would expect him to be back because the Yankees do value him a lot. But in any event, Jose Trevino, unfortunately, and I feel very bad for him because you feel bad for any guys who have to go through this, done for the entire year. A few more moves, especially in the last two days, today and yesterday. This was an eventful weekend, roster-wise, for sure, and even just off the field-wise. Yesterday, Oswaldo Cabrera sent back down to AAA, and today, Franchi Cordero back down to AAA. And Franchi had some offensive moments this past week. I still think he's just not a good baseball player. I think he has some flashes here and there of what he could be, but then... He just goes back to not being very good, especially when it comes to defense and a lot of times offensively, just big strikeout guy is just not my kind of player. He was definitely very flashy at the start of the year, if you remember. We were all praising Franchi Cordero, Franchi Cordero, God's next gift to the Yankees, Brian Cashman's next unexpected find. And then he went down like the Hindenburg ever since then, and a few flashes this past week, but that's about it. Nonetheless, Franchi Cordero optioned back down AAA because they had to reactivate two guys. And we were mentioning that he'd be back shortly after the All-Star break, this particular first name, so not a surprise here. Greg Allen has returned. And also, sooner than I, th- than I thought he would be back, Jake Bowers returns as well. So the Yankees get two of their main backup outfielders back. Uh, 
after optioning Franchi and Oswaldo. So Greg Allen and Jake Bowers returned today. So it's good to see them back. Greg Allen did come into today's game with a pinch running appearance. And Jake Bowers was the leadoff man today in the lineup. He started off the game with a long single into the right center field gap. So we'll see how much he can contribute again offensively like he did at times before, especially with his power. He had an ugly play in the outfield in right field today like he has a tendency of doing at times. He's definitely more suited for first base in my opinion. But uh, we'll see what he does defensively at times. Maybe he can make a nice play here and there, at least provide half-decent defense. And hopefully he can contribute with the bat, which is what we're all mainly hoping for, especially considering the offense. (laughs) Today, the biggest story, if I had to say, because everybody was talking about it, even though it wasn't even officially anything like a rehab game or even a sim game or anything, but Aaron Judge today took a big step in his hopeful comeback within the next couple of weeks, hopefully, one can hope, he took live BP today against none other than my boy, and I still call him my boy even though he's hurt all the time, (laughs) my boy Johnny Lowe, Jonathan Lewisaga. And Judge saw 16 pitches, I believe. He swung at five, fouled them all off, and a lot of people were judging the swing, and, and the swing did look good at times. And judging this and judging that, pun intended, I guess. But let's all remember one thing. With a live BP, when talking about someone as vital as Aaron judges to the Yankees, there are only a couple of things that matter here. I want to remind everyone of this. The only things that matter in today's live BP for Aaron Judge are the facts that he is seeing live pitching again, which is a significant step over just hitting off a tee or doing light drills or just having regular batting practice where someone's tossing to you. Actually having another pitcher throwing you live BP, especially with stuff like Jonathan Luizaga. Seeing live pitches again, one. And two, hoping that he has as little pain as humanly possible. Now the alarming thing is, is that when talking to Aaron Judge and the rest of the Yankee organization as a result of it, when the media asked him, you know, what the deal is going to be when he comes back. He keeps on saying, and he's been emphasizing this for weeks, so it's not to be surprised or anything because he has been very upfront about this. I have to give that to him. But Judge has been very blunt and honest, very candid with the media and with the fans and with the entire public and with the Yankees themselves as well as a result, that when he comes back, it's not going to be pain-free. Which has been met with a lot of people saying, well, this team likely isn't going anywhere anyway, Aaron. Why don't you just get the surgery finish off the season resting, and then have the entire offseason to rest and get fresh for the fresh new season in 2024. Now, as someone who's not that confident in this New York Yankees 2023 team, I'm not saying that's a completely outrageous thought, especially considering the importance of Aaron Judge and how risky it is for him to come back when he's feeling any sort of pain still whatsoever. I don't think that that's that ridiculous of a statement to make. But also, you sorely want Aaron Judge back regardless. And we know what kind of team this is when he's there as opposed to when he's not. And if there's any sort of potential turnaround that could happen going forward, then he has to be a part of it, and therefore you want him back as soon as possible. So there there are the two sides to the coin there. It's very tough. I personally am aligned with both in a way. I, for one, want him back as soon as possible selfishly because I love the guy so much and I want him to be right in the middle of the action and any potential turnaround this team could have, even though I'm not too confident in that happening, especially if he's not back until mid-August or later. But it also does concern me in defense of the people 
who think he should have the season-ending toe surgery and just take the rest of the year and the entire offseason to rest up and heal properly. It does terrify me hearing that at no point does he expect to be pain-free. Because they keep on saying they want to get him to a point to where he can actually be of help in that lineup. And that's the key. Because if you bring him back and the pain becomes too extreme at a certain point, I assume we'll be seeing him DHing a lot and preventing as much movement as possible. But if you're going to have to baby him like that and the pain's going to get worse and worse regardless, then is it worth bringing him back if he's going to potentially be, whether it be at the beginning or at some point down the line, be in too much pain to produce the way that he has to in order to truly help the team? Because just penciling his name into the lineup, even though, yes, his presence and his name there does something to an opponent, of course, but if some time passes and because of this injury, he's really not doing anything at all, teams are eventually going to know that it's really no big deal that Aaron Judge is there because he's dealing with something right now. He's not truly himself. And we could just continue to expose the Yankees as they have been majorly exposed for the better part of the last couple of months without him. And he's just basically another slot in the lineup at that point when he could have just gotten the surgery and was resting, as opposed to dealing with pain every day. So it's I, that makes me nervous to hear that he's not going to be pain-free when he comes back. Typically not the safer thing to do, especially with someone as important as him. So it's a tough, complicated situation. I wouldn't want to be the Yankees, and I wouldn't want to be Judge himself in this case, because it's very difficult. So, we'll see how long this continues to take. Regardless, though, it was great to see him in any sort of batter's box facing any sort of live pitching, especially against my boy Johnny Luizaga, which he was unfortunately overshadowed a lot today because of the presence of Aaron Judge, obviously and understandably so. But I want to give some attention to my boy, too. It's good to see him throwing live batting practice, and that could also mean, because we've been hearing August slash September for him for a while now, August is right around the corner in just about a week and a half or so. So this could also mean that Jonathan Lewiska himself is not far off from rehabbing himself. And the Yankees did mention that he could start rehab games by next weekend. So Jonathan Lewiska, I do want to mention amidst all the judge craziness today, he himself is getting closer as well, which I'm very happy about because that's just another great arm that the back end of that bullpen could use, especially with their recent struggles of late with surprising guys like Michael King, for instance. And even Tommy Canely had slipped up a bit of late after being absolutely masterful in nearly 20 games straight since his return from his bicep tendonitis injury. So... Luizaga coming back is just another great electric arm that you could add as a late-inning option at the back end of that bullpen. So I don't want him to be overshadowed like he was today. I do want to mention it is a big deal getting him back, and he's not as far off as some may think because a lot of us may have forgotten about him. He's been out for a long time, and he has these longer IL stints seemingly annually. So, But I don't want anyone to forget my boy Johnny Lowe because when he's healthy, he is... Under the radar, one of the better relievers out there. I want to remind people of that. Constantly remind them, as many chances as I can get to do so. So Loisaga, not far off, could begin rehabbing next weekend. Wanted to mention that too, a big deal for sure. When it comes to Judge, big deal today with his live BP against him. What could be next for Aaron? A lot of people were throwing that out there. It's just a matter of him continuing to do drills, going side to side and testing out the toe. They said he felt good after that live BP today, so that's awesome. In swinging today, he was definitely putting some pressure on that foot and testing it out and really leaning back on it, putting that toe to the test he has to. That's really going to determine how much he can or can't do if he is to return with not being pain-free. 
So that looked good today. And depending on how all these things continue to go, he could see sim games, more live BPs for a little bit. But honestly, beyond that, eventually you've got to hit rehab games. And rehab games are really the major last step for anybody because after the rehab games, they determine how they play in actual games against actual opponents and going through the multiple hours of a baseball game and really putting your body to the test. That's when you can come back from injury, of course. And with already taking live BP, I don't think it's ridiculous to say that Aaron Judge could be back in the next two to three weeks. Now, people are even floating around the idea of him not even really doing many rehab games, or if any. I think that's absolutely preposterous, and I think I mentioned that last weekend. Bro has been out for months. You think he could just get back in there into a Major League Baseball game without facing any opponents, even if they are to be minor league opponents, and and real live pitching in actual games? You think that he could just hop back into a Major League Baseball game and be good with that right off the bat, pun intended? That's unfair to ask of him. Same thing as when they only had Stanton do one rehab game before returning in L.A. I thought that was ridiculous, too, and that proved to be true despite his hot immediate start in the first game or two. But he ended up collapsing after that. We know how long Stanton takes to get back into the swing of things, pun intended again, after he comes back from any injury, especially a long-term one. So that was ridiculous with him. And I think it's ridiculous with just about any human being, even if their name is Aaron Judge, to bring them back immediately after missing multiple months of Major League action. So put him in as many rehab games as as you humanly can, as far as I'm concerned. Because he needs tests for that. He needs to test out the toe. If he's not truly ready, then that will expose the fact that he's not truly ready, and you will have your answer. Regardless of what you or the Yankees want the answer to be, truly putting it to the test will expose what the true answer is, whether you or I like it or not. So put him in as many rehab games as you humanly can, as much as possible. So that he can really put his body to the true and necessary test, and so that he can have as much time as he possibly needs to readjust to seeing actual pitching in an actual batter's box against an actual opponent. You can't rush these things. You shouldn't rush these things. That'd be irresponsible. So even if it's just like a week or two of rehab games, which I think I think at least a week would be definitely necessary for him given the time he's missed, because come August he'll be out. Just about two months by then. So quite some time to miss. So put him in at least a week's worth of rehab games. And I think he could be ready for that in the next week, week and a half. He's already doing live BP now. So that's why I say two to three weeks. Maybe he'll be back with the Yankees. Who knows? Maybe that's enough time for them to make a respectable run at things, depending on what happens these next few weeks. Because they are going to be put to the test quite a bit going forward here in the immediate future. You got the Mets in the middle of the week. Then you got the Orioles next weekend, which is a big test. Then the Rays after that. And then the Astros after that. <laughs> so, they're going to be put to the test, like I said, in the next couple of weeks. So, we'll see. We'll see where they're at by then. And then after all that's said and done, then I expect Aaron Judge to be back after all that, pretty much. So, we'll have a good feel for where the team's at after that. And... Might also give him another idea of how they want to handle Judge, depending on where he's at in the process by then. A lot of moving parts here, a lot of factors to consider. That's my point. But regardless, back to the main point, Judge doing live BP against Luizica today, awesome to see. And the last big piece of news, before we move on to weekly recap, is that the Yankees have brought Andy Pettit back to be an advisor to the Yankees overall, but mainly Aaron Boone, to just help things out a bit. Listen, 
I may think what I do about the Yankees organization, the front office at large, and how the brain trust runs all the way to Brian Cashman and all those around him, and you know the real having real change in the higher up part of the organization is really the only way you're going to see actual change within the flaws of the organization. I will still stick by that regardless, because I always have and I always will as long as those flaws exist. But I always say it. It certainly can't hurt to bring someone like Andy Pettit in with his skill and championship pedigree. I can't see in any way where it can hurt to bring someone like Andy Pettit in to help connect with the players and help them out of their struggles possibly and just really be there for them, whether it be for tips and advice or just having a mentor, especially for the pitchers, it's obviously the area he specializes in. Just having that presence around could always help. And to my understanding, and Jack Curry said this, and Aaron Boone said this, and a lot of people within the Yankees organization have said this, the players have said this, to my understanding, he has actually already built a relationship with a lot of these players and has been seen on the field with them for some time now. And this has been a connection that Aaron Boone has tried to reestablish when it comes to getting Andy back with the Yankees for some time now. So now that he's back, I mean, he'll, he'll be there at times and be an option to help out. I just don't think it could hurt, possibly. Could it majorly help? I mean, that's up for debate, but could it hurt? I don't think so. I mean, how could it? Just another great guy to have around, even if it's just for the presence and for the advice, and it's just a good thing, in my opinion. So Andy Pettit's back and will be an advisor with the Yankees, Aaron Boone, but Yankees as a whole. And it's always refreshing to hear that. As someone who cherished all the Yankee teams that he was on, for so many years, you certainly will not hear me ever having an issue with that. So like I said, a lot to talk about in Yankees news this past week, guys. A lot happened. Whether it be with the roster, the injuries, with other outside news like Andy Pettit coming back, big news with Judge today, and also Loisaga not to be overshadowed. So, a lot going on. And also just a couple of smaller things as well. Nestor continues to work his way back. He's still expected to be back in the earlier part of August. So that's also good. And a brief reminder, too, from when I mentioned he had hip tightness earlier in the show. Glaber, it sounds like he's going to be okay. He left today's game with left hip tightness. That's when Volpe pinch hit for him. And obviously, you don't want anything to be wrong with Glaber because he has been one of the more consistent hitters of this team, as we have said plenty, but especially because of what he's also done lately. You know, he's a symbol of consistency during a time of great inconsistency. He even hit a home run today to extend his hitting streak to 13, like I mentioned before, today's home run. So... Hopefully, it sounds like right now, Glaber should be okay. All right. Let us continue on, though, my friends. Up next for the show is the usual weekly recap. Yapping Yankees Time Machine taking us back to Monday. Let's do it. So, as I said before, the beginning of the week sucked. (laughs) Just going to be blunt to start the weekly recap right off the bat. But... Honestly, if there was any game that the Yankees could have and very well should have won, it was the first game. Now, the offense in all of these games was a tragedy. No doubt about that. Just have to come out and say that right away. They just could not get any runs across, especially in this first game. They did have eight hits, and they got their traffic on the bases. It was just a matter of getting the runs in, and they just couldn't. And when it came down to it, it ended up being a disgraceful loss in extra innings. This game... I had to get up for work early the next day, and so that, that's having to get up earlier for work nowadays makes West Coast games complicated. And obviously, the beginning of the week started out with them playing the Angels. So I decided to cut my losses before they lost in the bottom of the 10th. So I didn't even see the loss. 
I went to sleep when it was 3-3, three to three, going into the bottom of the ninth, I think. I think. So, starting this game was Luis Severino, and like I had said about today's game, about how some eyes were on him because he was looking to make his second good start in a row, because the start against the Angels wasn't bad. Six innings, so he gave length, that's a big thing. Six hits, only one run allowed, three walks and three strikeouts. So he did walk a decent amount. He gave up six hits still, and also doesn't go for good measure, especially if you're a religious person. His ERA after the start was 6.66, I swear. You could look it up on the MLB app if you don't believe me. But the Yankees were in a pretty decent position to actually win the game, especially because after Severino had turned in that start, yes, he had a little bit of help from defense, and he... Fortunately, did not allow a lot of the runners that made it on base against him to score, so that's good. But in the top of the sixth, the Yankees finally broke through with offense, finally, after an excruciating first five innings. Oswaldo Cabrera broke through with a two-run ground rule double to make it 2 nothing, And then Severino in the bottom of the sixth allowed his one and only run when he allowed a solo shot to make it 2-1. to one. And then the top of the seventh, the Yankees answered right back, got that run right back on a Glaber sack fly. So it's 3-1. to one. And you're feeling good. It's the bottom of the seventh. It's the Yankee bullpen. Granted, they had struggled recently in the prior week or so. On the whole, obviously, throughout the whole year, they've been great on the whole of the season. But bottom of the seventh, Michael King was in. And King has overall had a good year, but of late, in his last bunch of outings, we know that he has struggled a great deal in a lot of them. And this was unfortunately another example of that. When Shohei Otani stepped up to the plate and hit his 35th home run of the year to center field, a game-tying two-run shot to tie the game at three, and again, the bullpen blows it, which was really a little too fresh in our minds, especially considering how Sunday went. And it was just another example of the bullpen not being able to hold it down. Sure, can the offense score more, especially against the crappy pitching they had been facing from the Rockies to the Angels and so on and so forth? Sure, they could. So, again, blame goes to them. They cannot be totally exonerated like they could not be totally exonerated even though the bullpen blew the game on Sunday. They cannot be exonerated completely. Part of the blame goes to them. But the bullpen, again, shows an inability to hold it down. Guys like King and even of late, canley has been a little bit off, which was strange considering... He went 16 outings, about 16 innings without even allowing a single run. So I guess it was meant for him to come down to earth eventually. Can't pitch that amazingly throughout the entire year or for multiple months in a row consecutively without allowing a single run. It's just not possible. And also, you have other names that I mentioned that I naturally don't like. I never never was a big fan of Albert Abreu. Uh, Ron Marinaccio at this point, I've been very critical of him, especially after he allowed that walk-off on Sunday. Yet again, I made it very clear that I just don't think he has it this year at all. Guy doesn't throw enough strikes, and then when he is forced to come in, he gets hit hard. So I just, he's not having a good year straight up. I mean, they even asked him about it. They even asked the Yankees about it again today when he allowed two more runs in the top of the ninth with a big lead. And Boone was like, I thought his last outing or two was good, and, you know, today then he was off again. But, I mean, even if he has a good outing here or there, I mean, you have to. I mean, even a broken clock strikes right twice a day. What's that expression, I think? So... Again, you have your arms out there who are really struggling right now, and Marinaccio is another one of them. And this is what also took me back to the point of before why I didn't want Luizaga to be overshadowed because if he could come back and be any sort of what he was at any point in time when he was healthy, that's if the bullpen's going to struggle a bit, that's a big arm that you could add back. 
So just want to point that out. Obviously, the offense in the top of the 8th and top of the ninth, of course, did not do anything, nor did they in the top of the 10th, even with the ghost runner in disgraceful fashion. And then in the bottom of the 10th, they would ultimately lose the game with Mr. Nick Ramirez in the game. Angels walk it off. Yankees have another excruciating loss on the road to start the series against the Angels. Offense not doing what they had to do. Bullpen blown it again. Luis Severino gets a no decision for actually turning in a decent performance. Just sucked all around. Tuesday came around. It wasn't any better. Herman started this game, and he went six innings, allowing five runs on four hits, three walks, and he struck out nine, so he had a lot of strikeouts. But And then other than that, after him, Albert Abreu pitched two shutout innings when it was pretty obvious with the flatness of the offense that the Yankees were not going to mount any sort of comeback. Completely disgraceful effort on Tuesday yet again. Only run that they did push across was on a solo shot in the top of the third by, again, Glaber Torres doing his thing. And the final score of that one would be 5-1. to one. Wednesday, Yankees doing everything they can to not get swept, or I shouldn't say doing everything they can because they didn't really do much. But Carlos Rodon started this game, and from the start, it was just bad. Bad game for the Yankees, ended up getting swept in Anaheim in a series that I really thought they should have at least won two out of three, just really bad. Rodon started it, he went four and a third, allowed four hits, six runs, two homers, five walks, and three strikeouts. He was taken out in the fifth inning, and he heard some booing from the fans, and he blew a kiss to them, and now this caused a lot of outrage in the Yankee community. I don't really care so much about the fact that he blew a kiss, really. That doesn't really bother me. But what really does make me uneasy, I should say, is that if he's already hearing booze three starts in, which I don't think personally is that fair. I know the guy's making a lot of money. I know he missed more than half the season before he even pitched in a regular season game for the Yankees when he first was just signed here this past offseason. However, the guy's still going to need time to figure it out. I think there are some positives there. I think his velocity is definitely there. His fastballs touch the upper 90s, which is Rodon-like, so that's a good sign. I think it's just a matter of him getting his mechanics and his location down. And when that happens, he could very well take off. But I don't think it's fair to judge him really off of three starts when he missed more than half the year. I'm going to be willing to be a bit more patient, regardless of how difficult it is to be patient with any facet of this team, which would be much better than they actually are. No doubt about that. No argument here. But when it comes to him personally... Three starts, I'm going to need a little bit more from him, especially because the first start was pretty good. wasn't bad at all. And in the last two starts, he struggled, especially this past one against the Angels. So, thing that makes me uneasy, as I was saying before, is that if he's already reacting at all to these boos that he's prematurely hearing, in my opinion, and he's already reacting to it and doing things to show, visibly show that he is reacting to it, he's hearing it and it's getting to him, even if it's not really truly like making him livid, but I mean, it's getting to him at least a little bit if he feels the need to react in any sort of a way. Let's be honest here. That just makes me a little uneasy when it comes to the fact that he signed a pretty long-term contract here. I mean, Rodon's going to be here for six years. He's supposed to be. Six years, 162. So he's going to be here for quite a while. And I'm not going to lie. You remember, I was very happy when they signed him. And I still am. I still think he could unlock what he is at his best. I do despite his chronic back problems, I still think he can show flashes plenty of time, more often than not, of what he is at his best. 
but it does make me a little uneasy and how he could end up performing here and how his mental state could be here if he's already letting the booze get to him even a little bit just this early on when he has so much more time to play here and he's expected to do as well as he's expected to do and he's as big of a piece to the team as he is. Just makes me a little uneasy because, you know, he said he's ready for the booze and his personality does say he could be New York ready, but... Just makes me a little uneasy if the boos are getting to him even a little bit already this early on into his Yankee tenure because he just, it's only three starts in. And he's already hearing the boos from the fans, which I think at this moment, this soon is unfair. But it also just makes me uneasy if it's already getting to him this early on. He has a, he's going to be in here for a long time, guys. So you guys better strap yourselves in. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be here a while. So, I mean, I know a lot of people out there, some people did have the concerns with his injury history, and most people, I think it's safe to say, like myself, are very happy. So let's not be hypocrites here and turn on him so quickly, in my opinion. Um, but I'm not going to lie, bad start. Not good. I'm happy the velocity's there, that's a plus for me. If he wasn't throwing hard, that'd be a big alarm to me. I mean, it'd be like, holy crap, what the hell's going on? He might not be healthy still. But he's had plenty of fastballs that have touched 97, 98 even, so it's there. I think he's just got to get a lot under control, and that's just going to come with more starts. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. But that didn't make me so upset that he did that more so. It just made me uneasy for all the time that's yet to come that he still has to spend here. And he's already hearing boos from the fans, and he's already reacting to it in any, in any sort of way, and how that could affect him in any, in any sort of a way, especially if he's to do that at Yankee Stadium, and he hears it even harsher. I mean, the guy just got here. <laughs> so, I don't know. Just makes me feel like it has the chance to not be that pleasant of a stay here for him if that spirals out of control in the near future. Who knows? But the rest of the bullpen, other than Canely at the end of the game, who allowed a run in the one inning he pitched, and he also walked two guys, so he didn't do that well again. Again, I mentioned Canely stumbling a little bit lately, very recently. And it ended up seeing him bashing a fan to death in the dugout. Actually, funny story about that. More rambling. <laughs> so when I got the notification on my phone, because I actually wasn't watching at this point, I, I think I was busy doing something. I was somewhere working out, doing something. And I got the notification that Canely, like, abuses fan or something like that. Now, when I got this notification and not watching the game, I took that, the word fan, as him doing an Aikido flip over the dugout and going into the crowd and beating the crap out of a fan. <laughs> like, an actual person. I didn't know they actually meant a fan like the object. <laughs> I had no idea. So I was like, wait, what the hell? And then I tuned in and I saw it on television. I was like, okay, he actually hit an object. He didn't go and beat the hell out of someone. <laughs> so I was like, listen, of all the crap that's happened with the Yankees, who'd be surprised, I guess? But I know Canley's passion. I know he wouldn't do that. I'm just playing around. But that's what I thought for a second when I got that notification not watching the game. <laughs> I don't know. So, so yes, in the offense this game... Only did score three runs on a Stanton solo shot in the top of the sixth, a Higgy RBI single not long after that within that same inning. And then in the top of the eighth, Franchi Cordero hit a solo shot to make it 6-3. And the final would be 7-3, with Rodon obviously taking the loss. He's 0-3 now with an ERA of 7.36 because his last two starts, the one in Colorado and this one, not great. And the Angels embarrassingly sweep the Yankees Horrible offensive effort the entire series. The entire series. And not a great start from Rodon on Wednesday, of course, and not a great start from Herman on Tuesday. Bullpen didn't do any favors on Monday, just nothing worked out. Nothing worked out in Anaheim. Horrible series. 
Fortunately, they did come home to face the Royals over the weekend, and this did help them to bounce back a bit, whether it's totally because it's the Royals or this could be the start of a turnaround, as we mentioned. It's welcoming to see at any capacity because, as we said, there are plenty of teams that they very well should have at least taken the series against throughout the first half of the season, or even just recently against the Angels, the Rockies, take your pick. But they didn't. So that's why, again, like I said at the beginning, I can't completely discount something like this, like this weekend. But still... The Royals still did look pretty good against them at times, which is a little unsettling. <laughs> but, I mean, even on Friday, even though the Yankees won 5-4, to four, and still it's very close, the Royals had almost double the hits that they had. The Royals had nine hits in the night. The Yankees had five, resulting in five runs, mainly thanks to the three-run shot by McKinney. But anyway, as far as starting the game, Clark Schmidt started. It gave decent length again, five and two-thirds, five hits, three runs, one walk and two strikeouts. But he only did allow the three runs only on one hit. And that was the big three-run homer by Michael Massey. So that was a big hit that put the Royals ahead 3-1 to one at the time after Frenchy Cordero got the Yankees on the board first in the bottom of the second on a solo shot, his sixth of the year. So then it was 3-1. So the Yankee offense had some work to do, and they did get to work right away in the bottom half of that fourth inning when McKinney hit a go-ahead three-run shot himself. So a three-run shot to put the Royals in the lead, three-run shot to put the Yankees in the lead. See what happens when the Yankees are hitting home runs? Usually good things happen, and it leads to wins. Not making it up when I say it. It's just what happens with the Yankees, guys, more often than not. So Billy McKinney, like I said, the magic has come back a little bit again of late, and this was part of it. Three-run shot made it 4-3. to three. Glaber added on with a solo shot of his own, like we've been saying. He's been really consistent. He's been getting it done at the plate. So his 15th of the year, solo shot the other way, and right center made it 5-3. And then Michael Massey, again, responsible for all four Royals runs on Friday. Hit a solo shot in the top of the eighth inning off of Tommy Canely again. So Canely again allowing another run. That's what I've meant lately about saying he's been slipping a little bit. Fortunately, though, the game would be closed out effectively by Clay Holmes, even though he made us a little bit nervous. But he did get the job done in the top of the ninth, earning his 12th save of the year, locking it down and giving the Yankees the 5-4 to four win. It was a little closer than any of us, I think, would have liked, especially against a team like the Royals, but a win is a win. Clark Schmidt did get the win, too, for his outing. Another pretty good outing for him. 6-6 six and six with a 4.33 ERA now after giving up three runs on just the one home run. So, aside from that, not a bad outing at all for Clark. Yesterday came around, and the Yankees would get another win, but this would be thanks to... Some late-game offense, fortunately, because the offense, again, until later in the game, was just totally dead, so that's not great, but enough to get the job done. Garrett Cole started the game, definitely would have liked for him to get a win, but he was ripped off of another win in this outing because the game was tied at the time, by the time he was done, so he got a no decision. First six and a third, only five hits, two runs, one walk, and ten strikeouts. ERA now down to 278, but he's still sitting at nine wins. So he hasn't gotten a double-digit wins yet, even if he very well does deserve to be well into the double digits in wins by now. But this is also why I don't value the win-loss stats very much. This is the perfect example of why. Because you could have a really solid outing and still not have anything to show for it in the win column. Or the, you get either a loss or a no decision all the same. It's just not a fair statistic, in my opinion. Wandy Peralta would get the win for coming in after him, and then the Yankee offense jumped back out in front when he was still in. So if Cole finished the seventh inning, and then they took the lead where they did still, then he would have gotten the win. But he did not finish the inning, so he did not get the win. Wandy did. K 
Canely came in afterwards. After Wandy as well, pitched a shutout inning. Finally, good for him. Good to see him bounce back like that. And uh, Clay Holmes did the same in the ninth inning, locking down another save for his 13th of the year himself. And the pitching, other than Cole giving up those two runs, one on a Prado solo shot in the top of the third, Nick Prado, and then another on a Michael Garcia RBI single in the top of the fifth. Other than that, like I said, Cole looked sharp. And the Yankee offense did enough to get the win ultimately. Quiet in the beginning, like I said, except for a an RBI single in the bottom of the first by Stanton, and then a sack fly in the bottom of the third by Glaber, each to give the Yankees leads at the time. But then, of course, it remained 2-2 two to two from the 5th to the 7th. And then after Wandy had finished off the 7th for Cole, that was when DJ, we've been speaking about, been signs of him being a bit better of late. We were just giving those stats at the beginning of the show for him and Stanton. Well, Stanton had put in the work alongside DJ to back up said statistics. But at the time in the bottom of the 7th, DJ put the Yankees back out in front on a big go-ahead solo shot. His 8th homer of the year made it 3-2. And then in the bottom of the 8th, Stanton... Got in on it as well with his 13th homer of the year. Nice shot into left field, a two-run shot to make it 5-2, and that would be the winning score that the Yankees would win by. And then today, as we mentioned before, a lot more offense today, especially at the beginning right from jump, which I love to see because that usually doesn't happen with the Yankees too often. If they mount a nice comeback at the end, that's usually the way it happens, especially of late. But Today was a pretty, it got a little close at times, but it was a pretty comfortable win for the most part. Luis Severino started the game, and he was looking for a second consecutive respectable outing after he did pretty well in Anaheim. Not great, but pretty well. Solid start. And today, he went five and two-thirds, so nearly the six innings that he gave in Anaheim, so decent length again. He did give up eight hits, though. Didn't walk anybody, which is good. Gave up three runs, two of those runs being at the very end of his outing today on a sixth-inning two-run shot by Michael Massey. So again, another big hit by Massey. He had himself quite a series. And there was also the huge tank job solo shot he gave up to Salvador Perez in the top of the fourth and Apo Taco into the second deck. So Seve's still having some home run problems. And he does get help from defense as well at times, too. And the eight hits isn't great. So, But, I mean, the start could have been worse. It could have been worse. It wasn't great at all, but it wasn't awful. It wasn't. Could have been much worse. So I wouldn't necessarily say like a great start or like a second consecutive great start or even a good start, really. I would just say it was it was, it was okay. That's just kind of how I felt about it, I guess. He's definitely gotten into a lot of trouble with that fastball of his, that's for sure. More so than any of his other pitches, if I had to say. And then the bullpen did nail it down after him. Ian Hamilton ended up finishing the sixth and pitching the seventh very nicely. He looked great. Michael King... In an inning, he also did come in and give up two hits. He's been struggling a bit of late as we've been over, but he was able to squeeze out of trouble, which which is an encouraging sign. Got a couple of strikeouts too, so that's good to see. Ron Marinaccio stunk up the joint for no reason in the top of the ninth, as he has had a tendency of doing for most of the first half, I would say, because he just has decided for the vast majority of the first half that he's not going to throw a lot of strikes. So he gave up two hits in his one inning. But other than that, like I said, even with the game getting a little close at times with that Michael Massey two-run shot and Marinaccio having the 
bad ninth inning that he did, even with Michael King giving up the two hits he did as well. The offense still did all they could to ensure a victory, and they did a good job at that. Right from jump on the bottom of the first, Glaber with another home run, his 16th of the year, second baseman leading 16th home run of the year. Two-run shot gave him the 2-0 lead after Bowers started off the game with a single leading off. And here we go. This is what I was talking about before with Anthony Rizzo when we were talking about him at the start of the show. RBI double made it 3-0. Harrison Bader, RBI single, made it 4-0. All of that in the bottom of the first, which is very nice to see from the Yankee offense, regardless of opponent. I could not care less. Bottom of the third. This was the big one, like I mentioned at the start of the show, where we rightfully got a Frank Barone holy crap to go along with it. Anthony Rizzo, for the first time in over two months, in 45 games, got a solo shot his 12th of the year, Finally, Anthony Rizzo hits a freaking home run again. (laughs) It's about damn time. Oh, God. And then in the bottom of the eighth on a really funky play where Nick Prado really botched the play at first base, they ended up giving Oswald Peraza a hit, which I have no problem with. (laughs) Uh, It would end up driving home two runs because of the error by Prado to end up getting a second run home, but they did end up giving Peraza the hit, so ended up being a two-run single with an error by Prado made it 7-3, and then Higgy got a sack fly after that to make it 8-3, and that was obviously the final. Yankees complete the sweep, their first sweep since the Cincinnati series quite some time ago. And they now find themselves with a 53-47 and record. And as of right now, I even have the Mets and Red Sox game on. The Red Sox are beating the Mets, so the Yankees will still remain tied for last place at 53-47 and 47 if the score holds and the Red Sox do end up beating the Mets again. So it'll be tied for the basement still, with the Blue Jays being only two games over each of them. And the Blue Jays are really the key here, especially because they have possession of a playoff spot, the third wild card, and the Yankees are two games back of them. So if the Yankees can catch the Blue Jays again, they'll be back in a playoff position at least, which they still are not. Them and the Red Sox will be tied two games back of the Blue Jays for the third wild card, with the Astros being one game better than the Blue Jays, and obviously the Rays in possession for the first wild card. But again, as far as the AL East is concerned, the Rays being four and a half games over the Blue Jays, and the Rays have really come back down to earth lately, have only won three of their last ten. They have not been really good the last few weeks. They are down to a 61-42 and record after at one point they were like well over 30 games over 500. And now they're 19 games over 500. So they have come back down to earth. The Orioles have taken sole possession of first place, two games over the now second place Tampa Bay Rays, if you could believe it. It's absolutely insane. There's only one team in Major League Baseball that's better than the Baltimore Orioles, and that's the Atlanta Braves in the National League. That's insane. (laughs) Absolutely insane. Good for the Orioles, man. I mean, they're in the Yankees division, so obviously I don't want them doing too well because I I want the Yankees to be better than everyone. But, I mean, good for them. Taking sole possession of first. It's absolutely crazy. Who would have seen that coming? I think we all expected them with their young core kids to really make an impact, but be in sole possession of first place with August right around the corner? I don't know how many of us would have predicted that. But nonetheless, that's all for this past week of action with the Yankees. Again, 18-22 and 22 now with Judge after a 3-3 three and three week, another blah week that could have been and should have been a lot better, even though I am glad about the sweep this weekend. As far as what's ahead... The Yankees are heading into an off day tomorrow, so again, a sweep is a good way to head into an off day. Never complain about that. Tuesday, Wednesday, the return of the Subway Series. Both games are at 7.05 Eastern, and on Tuesday, it's set to be Domingo Herman against Justin Verlander. 
And Wednesday, it's set to be Carlos Rodon against Jose Quintana. The Yankees should really especially win at least Wednesday. At least. Tuesday automatically already naturally has me feeling uneasy because of how well Verlander always manages to do against the Yankees. So, with that being said, not too confident in Tuesday, but they very well could and should win that game too. And Wednesday, I'm feeling a lot more confident, and I hope Rodon can bounce back and turn in a good outing, because if he doesn't, then the boos are only going to grow, regardless of how soon it is since he's come back from his injury. It's only going to get worse. And then after that, they have another off day on Thursday. And I do want to mention this. Thursday is going to be their last off day. It's going to be the Yankees' last off day until August 10th. So... The Yankees are going to have a pretty decent stretch of games coming up. I don't know how many people have mentioned that, but I did want to mention that. So Thursday being their last off day, that's from the 27th to the 10th. That's 14 days in a row that the Yankees are going to have games. So they're about to go through another long stretch here where the bullpen could get more burnt out and and who the hell knows. And they're playing very tough teams, as I mentioned early in the show, during that stretch. So who the hell knows what's going to happen. They're really going to be tested after the Mets especially. I think the Mets are a decent test for them, but they're still six games under 500. Could be seven after a loss to the Red Sox tonight. And then after that is the real test. It's the Orioles, the Rays, and the Astros. Bang, bang, bang. Just like that. So, I don't know, man. It's going to be very interesting. But that's your recap, my good friends. Let us move on to the last segment of the show today. And that is the social media segment. And the social media segment, again, we missed it last week because I wanted to try to keep the show shorter, miserably failed at doing so, but wanted to do everything I could to keep it on the shorter side. But it does return today. And it is an open-ended question today. And the question, after I may or may not have spoiled it completely at the start of the show, is could this really be the start of a turnaround for the Yankees, or was this just taking advantage of a bad team this weekend, obviously in the Royals? Now, a lot of what I have to say could be found in the spiel at the start of the show that I had during the introduction, so just listen back to that. What I will say, though, is while I still can't discredit it for the reasons that I've said many times throughout this show, the sweet meaning, I do think a certain degree of it obviously could be taking advantage of playing a bad team because the Royals are a brutal team. There's no doubt about that. That cannot be ignored. But what also cannot be ignored, as I've said many times, too, is that Beating bad teams is part of the puzzle, too. You have to do that. And the Yankees have not done that a lot of the time. You see the tax that it takes on a team when they don't do what they should do against bad teams. That's why I always say, as much as people love to discredit victories against a bad team, it's a lose-lose against bad teams. If you beat a bad team, you say, oh, it's just the Royals. Who cares? But if you lose against a bad team, then the team gets crapped on anyway for losing to a bad team. (laughs) So I always say playing bad teams, a good team playing a bad team is always a lose-lose. I've always said that from the start of me watching baseball. So that's the unfortunate part. But I do still acknowledge the fact that it is a bad team that does play a factor. Obviously, you can't ignore that. But it could be a turnaround, especially a sweep heading into an off day. I mean, that could motivate some teams. Me personally, I've made it very clear that I still just think that the Yankees are not a good team, especially without Aaron Judge. And if he's not back by mid-ish August, I don't think this team will. I think they have a legitimate shot at even missing the playoffs. I've been very vocal about that, and I stick by that. So I guess what I'm trying to say, even with all factors considered and understanding and hearing and even agreeing with all sides involved here, I guess I don't really see it at the end of the day being a legitimate turnaround. 
because especially considering what the Yankees have ahead. I do think that's a big factor. Like we just got done talking about Orioles, Rays, Astros. Boom, boom, boom. Just like that, three in a row, no off days in between any of these opponents. And also the Mets, too, who managed to play the Yankees a little bit tough usually. It's just, it's not, well, they have an off day before and after the Mets. But anyways, it's just really not great opponents to face. And I really think a clearer picture will be created after those series are over. I do understand anyone who's possibly to say that. I definitely do. But I don't know, man. Just long term, I just don't think this team is much without Aaron Judge, especially without Aaron Judge. I just don't. I think they could definitely have their share of wins throughout this whole thing, and it could result in them playing better. I do definitely think that Stanton and DJ and Rizzo as of today showing some positive signs, more so DJ and Stanton of late because Rizzo is just today, basically. I definitely think that helps because that's really a major reason the big guys not contributing when they should. That has led to the Yankees being as awful as they've been since Judge has been down. So I guess the big X factor is them keeping it up. If they could continue hitting the way that they have, especially this weekend, then it could be a turnaround. So I think there's a chance, but I'm more inclined to say that I don't think it is. I don't discredit them for winning, for sweeping the series and, and winning against the Royals. Like I said, I don't discredit that ever. Beating bad teams is a part of it. But it being a legitimate turnaround and a possible point where they spring back into a positive record going forward, at least until Judge gets back. When Judge gets back, if he comes back with a decent chunk of the season left to play and he's mostly pain-free and and everything works out with that, then I've been vocal with saying that I think the Yankees could have a shot. They could. Not saying they definitely do, but they could. I think Judge is that important, and it's been proven that he's that important. But unless that happens, I just think you're going to be seeing a team that still floats around or just under 500. Sorry, that's this is what I think. That is what I think. But I'm certainly encouraged by what we saw this weekend, and I enjoyed the sweep. Very much so, and I'm feeling good about it. Not going to deny that either. Both can be true. Both can be true. Let's hear what everybody else has to say. First up, we'll start with at John Dominic, John underscore Dominic, I should say. And they say, fool's gold to think that this is real. You see, I can't stand people who reply this stuff to my questions in social media segments because, listen, it's a matter of opinion. It's a prediction question, okay? It's a prediction. Nobody at this very moment is right or wrong. And even if you are wrong, ultimately, with what you say, it happens. We're all right and we're all wrong a bunch. It's just life, you know? There's really not much else I can say about it. Calling people fools for an answer that isn't even definitive yet is just... There's no need for it, in my opinion. It's just a prediction question. People are not wrong for feeling it could be a turnaround, and people are not wrong for feeling like it was just a good weekend against a bad team. They're not wrong. They're not wrong yet. Ultimately, one side will be wrong when all said and done, yes. But as of this moment, it's a prediction question. So stop crapping on people who are being opt- just regularly optimistic. If they're a part of the toxic positivity crowd, well, you know how I feel about that crowd. But if they're just saying, yeah, it could very well be a turnaround, I think it is. What's wrong with that? You don't have to think it's a turnaround. So just it's not even fool's gold. It's just opinion. Next, we have A Lorch 44 saying, It's the bleeping Royals, man. Can't say that word, bro. Sorry. But, uh, so I guess option two then, just a good weekend against a bad team. <laughs> okay. I mean, fair enough. Listen, it's true. It was the Royals. 
The Yankees still have not done that against other teams that they should have, though. So you can't completely discredit it. But yes, it is just the Royals, so I can definitely understand that logic. I can. At Baseball Tzar saying, bad team. All right, fair enough. So not off to a good start for the Yankees when it comes to whether or not the people think this could be a turnaround. At DVellante2267 says, I'm not sure yet. Flip a coin. <laughs> it's just a prediction question, guys. I, I know it's, you know, it's tough to tell because before just this weekend, you know, the Yankees have still been up to all their usual crap that they've been for so long, so it's tough to tell, but just, it's a prediction question. Who cares? Next we've got at JoeBoyNicks29 saying, let's relax, we barely beat the Royals. Well, I mean, nobody's worked up. <laughs> it's just a question. What is up with you people? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Friday got a little bit close. Saturday was a nice win yesterday. And today was pretty convincing, except for Marinaccio giving up two unnecessary ninth-inning runs. So, I wouldn't say barely. I mean, Friday was close. But other than that, it was, it was a pretty good weekend. It's pretty good. It's just a prediction question. So, I guess another one saying that it was just a good weekend against a bad team. Fair enough. At RMNY1976 says, we will find out this weekend against the O's. Well, yeah, like I said, I did mention the, these uh, upcoming series and a lot of what the Yankees will ultimately be. I think after they're done with the Astros, <laughs> you're going to have a much clearer picture. No doubt about that. I've made that clear. But uh, just a prediction question for now. That's all. At GoYanksGo2442 says, I'm not convinced. Taking advantage of a bad team. That having been said, it's hard to sweep teams. And we saw Rizzo start to heat up. It's hard to say, but I'm still not buying them. Yeah, listen, all those things can be true. You're right. But I, I definitely understand you not being convinced and anybody not being convinced. And it was just a bad team. I get it. Especially because this Yankee team really has not done much since Judge has gone down to make anybody really feel comfortable or really have much reason to be optimistic going forward down the line. It's, it's tough to blame anybody. But it is true. It's hard to sweep teams. You have to beat the bad ones as part of the puzzle. And Rizzo showing signs, breaking an 0 for 20 yesterday, having the day that he had today. That's good, especially considering what Stanton and DJ have done the last week and a half, give or take. It's good. At NY Yankee Chick says, I'm not convinced. Fair enough. Can't fault anyone for feeling that way. At DCast says, if Rizzo and DJ get right, then it doesn't matter who they got right on. Yeah, DJ, Rizzo, Stanton, and other guys like Glaber, Bader, those are big X factors, and especially if the big three, the Rizzo, DJ, and Stanton, those are really the big three veterans that were expected to really try to fill any sort of part of the void left by Judge being hurt, and if they do their thing, that's a big plus for the team. You see what happens when they do do their thing. What happens? The Yankees usually win, and they score a lot of runs, like today. So, we'll see. At Ry Hutzel says, likely was just taking advantage of a bad team, but they also did exactly what they had to do in getting the sweep. Plenty of room for improvement and desperately need judge and hopefully Torres is not injured badly. But sometimes when you're in the valley, you need some mojo. Yeah, and sweeping anybody could give that mojo, no doubt, you're right. But yeah, obviously need and judge, no doubt there. Glaber doesn't sound like anything serious. Hopefully it stays that way. But him saying that he already feels pretty much completely better before the game even ended is a big positive, I would say. Glaber being hurt would be a travesty, considering, like I said, since Judge went down, he's probably been the best hitter on the team. So, yeah. 
But another reply, basically balancing a lot of positives to go along with it. And also just acknowledging it could just be them taking advantage of a bad team. Both can be true, like I've said. So I'm aligned with that way of thinking. At Jeet Nuts says, good job doing a job against a bad team. Considering we lost the series to the Cubs, Cardinals, Rockies, and Angels, I'll take this as a slight improvement, but not a needle mover. Well, that's fair. Yeah, like you said, all those series, the Cubs, the, yeah, that disgraceful series to end the first half before the All-Star break, and yet the Cardinals series, obviously, and yeah, like we said, the Rockies, Angels, and even earlier on in the season, if you want to use that an example, even though Judge was around during that, the Twins, like, they've, they've lost series that they shouldn't have. So, gotta take it where you can get it, doesn't matter. But yeah, it being a needle mover, as you put it, not really feeling that way, that's fair. At Frank Florida 07 saying 28-win team. I guess you're referring to the Royals, so saying that it was just a good weekend against a bad team. Fair enough. At CM Tobin 1 says they've shown that even bad teams can beat them, so this is a good omen. Yeah, it's a good point. It's what a lot of others have said. It's what I've said. There's been a lot of other series against bad teams, too, that they did not win or get the job done even remotely with. So this, it's got to be a plus at least a little bit. has to be. At WXManKO says, bad team did what we needed. Next four series will be the real answer. Well, yes, that's I've definitely said that for sure. You're right about that. Mets, Orioles, Rays, Houston. That's Especially the Orioles, Rays, Houston. That's devastating. <laughs> Those are all top American League teams or towards the top. At RJ Piscotti 59 saying, I get it's the Royals, but the team we saw these past two months could not win a series or let alone sweep one. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I think as July turns into August with the deadline, we will have a better idea about the team. All of that is true. Yep. You get it's the Royals, but the past two months with all the series they should have won or even swept and didn't. Yeah, it's true. There is there's reason for at least slight cautious optimism, for sure. I've said that. But yes, the picture will definitely become clearer after these series. And yes, as you mentioned, also a good point after... August 1st is passed with the deadline. Definitely a good point there. At the Hitter Sports says, No, unfortunately, they're still done. It's hard for me to blame anybody for feeling that way. I mean, yes, in the circumstances, they are only two games back of a wild card. Yes, that is worth mentioning. But especially with Aaron Judge, if that's to continue long term for whatever reason, or if he's to come back and not perform well, if the pain is too much and it just doesn't go the way everybody's hoping it does, and it's just gone the way it massively has the last two months. It's, you know, it, you can't fault anyone for really feeling that way. You can't. Because it's possible that that scenario takes place. It's possible. At Scarabino Tony says, Mostly the Royals are bad, though may help some of our hitters get back on track a little. Yeah, it could. Some of that mojo that some replies ago mentioned. At Tony New York 1 says, I would love it to be the start of something, but we have seen this team play up and down baseball all year. It's wait and see for me. I'll be rooting as hard as I always do, but I'm skeptical. It's a good stance to have, man, and there's good reason for feeling that way, no doubt. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, I absolutely think this is the beginning of a turnaround. Rebecca being optimistic as always. The offense and pitching have looked more consistent. I think they will add a piece or two before the deadline and make a real push. It could. It could happen. And like I said also, acknowledging only two games out of a playoff spot could happen. But for me to feel legitimately 
more optimistic about that, you know, definitely, at least in my opinion, need Judge back and you need to make some ads for the lineup at the, at the deadline. That's just what I personally think. It's what I've been very vocal about from the start. At Rebirth Chaos 09 says, I need to see more before I start believing. Yes, sweeping the Royals is good, but they got tough games against the Mets, Orioles, Rays, and Astros. I need to see how they do in that stretch before I start to believe, even when Judge comes back. DJ, Stanton, and Rizzo all need to hit. Yeah, those are the guys. We've said it repeatedly. When Judge comes back, I'll feel better. I mean, yes, how he plays is also a determining factor, but I think even his presence there will help things. I know he's been in the dugout throughout this whole time, but just having his presence in the lineup, you know, I think it'll help things. I just do. It's very obvious the difference in this team when he's out there as opposed to when he's not. But yes, after these next few series, a clearer picture will definitely be created, no doubt. And the standings will probably be different, whether it be in a worse way or a better way. And if they do well, then hopefully they find themselves back in a wild card spot. And if they're in a wild card spot, especially when Judge comes back, then that will bode well for their future, in my opinion. It will. Next up, let's see. At Cashman Sucks NYY, <laughs> I like that handle, my man, says, I think it's taking advantage of a bad team this weekend. Fair enough. At Laura underscore Icemont says, I'm going to be optimistic and say that this is the start of a turnaround. The Yankees needed a series like this to gain the momentum back. Yeah, sweeping and winning three in a row never hurt nobody. That's for sure. That is for damn sure. At B. Welch 1943 says, Today the hitters showed both contact and power. Rizzo looks confident. Winning the series against the Mets would suggest promising things ahead. It could. It's a good outlook. Not going to argue with that. But after the Mets, you do have the three series ahead of that. Definitely. At Miss Steelio Base says, could go either way, but I'm going to soak in the series sweep sauce till Tuesday. <laughs> Fair enough. That's totally fine. Listen, like we've spoken about, it's their first sweep in quite some time since they were in Cincinnati. So sweeps have not been a frequent occurrence in 2023. So do enjoy them as they come for sure. I do not fault you for that. Next is at S Yank underscore NYR says, I won't say it's a turnaround until I look at 15 games from now, but it's definitely a huge positive change. Just because they're playing well doesn't mean they'll make the playoffs, but at least they're watchable and positive. If it is a turnaround, then wow, this is amazing. Certainly would be amazing, but yeah, you're, you're right with everything you say. I understand that. At ballgame underscore over says both could be true. Rizzo, DJ LeMahieu might start to show better versions of themselves from this point forward. Bowers is back. Judge is progressing. Three games closer to the deadline, three in the win column. All of that is a step towards a turnaround independent of who they faced. That's a good way of putting it, man. It really is. Rizzo, DJ, and Stanton, they got to be in the middle of it with Judge out, yeah. And Judge progressing. Bowers is back, yeah, with the bat. That could be good. He supplies a lot of power from the left side of the plate. Closer to the deadline, who knows what's going to happen there, yeah, you're right. We'll see. At KRO3172 says, you need to beat those bad teams, so I will take it as a positive 100%, especially with some of the bats breaking out a little. Well, yeah, the offense is usually in the middle of whether or not the Yankees are a terrible team. So, yeah, the bats breaking out, it's definitely big. And you see when they do, the Yankees usually win a lot of the time. It's just what happens, four-plus runs a game. You see their record as opposed to when they score three runs or less. It's just natural because the pitching can't always be perfect and the offense has got to score. you got to score to win games. So, yeah, beating bad teams, that's part of it. 
And they have not always done that, so that's even more reason to take it as a positive. You're absolutely right. At Daryl1960 says, I think this wasn't a real test. The Royals are just playing out the season. But the Royals played them tough. Let's see what they do against the Mets. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's totally fair. The Royals are the Royals. And uh, going forward, yeah, they'll definitely be tested. I have acknowledged that for sure. That is true, Daryl. I'm only going to do a few more because, I mean, I think I've read close to 30 already, so I've read a good amount. Let's just do a few more. At Ray Durye says, start of a turnaround. Yes, was the Royals, but they got embarrassed by the Rockies last weekend. Yeah, Ray, you're right. And I'm sorry if I botched your last name, by the way. (laughs) But Yeah, Rockies, one of many examples of which the Yankees should have at least won a series, let alone sweeping it, but they didn't. So you got to take this at least as a little bit of a positive. Beating bad teams is part of it. We always say that. At New Age Lucha says, I don't know. Talk to me during the evening of August 6th. I'll have an answer for you then. Yeah, I imagine that's around the Astros time. I totally get it. <laughs> At CSMYR Ski 1 says, it's both. Showing life, but it's just enough to beat a bad team. Well, yeah, maybe on Friday, but Saturday... I mean, yeah, Saturday was close. Yeah, because Saturday was the go-ahead shot, and then they came back and scored the two runs in the eighth inning as well. But it's just a matter of the offense. Today was really the only real comfortable win, I would say, yeah. But, you know, win's a win, man. Win's a win. And as long as you show fight, then that's what matters to me. They did show fight on Friday. They didn't allow that Massey home run to knock them down. Billy McKinney came out right right away and got those runs right back. Today was a good win. Yesterday, they had a nice late game. Come back with taking the lead when it was 2-2. Two to two. Jumped out in front of the DJ shot, so it's all good. But I... I hear you, I do. At Blake B.D. Michaels says, they took advantage of a quadruple A team. (laughs) Yeah, I guess you could put it that way. At Bronx 2216 says, they've gotten beat by lousy teams, so I'm hoping this is a good sign. Yeah, you're right. People can't forget to mention that. It's the truth. Uh, Let's do Evan Lust Bader. And they say 50-50. All right, pretty undecided. Okay. Next is at Anthony D46 saying three wins is three wins. If the Jays get swept, then the deficit behind them is one. Bunch of teams ahead of them, but they have head-to-head matchups in the next two weeks. It's right in front of them to decide their fate. Yeah, it is. The head-to-head matchups, you're right. The Rays are in front of them. The Astros are also right in front of them. Only three games ahead of them for one of the wild cards, the second one at this very moment. And the Blue Jays, yeah, this, this social media segment was posted right after the Yankee game ended, before the Blue Jays game was over. So yes, the Blue Jays did end up salvaging a game in the series against the Mariners, so the deficit is still two, as we spoke about before. But yeah, three wins is three wins. You're absolutely right. Just got to keep winning. Got to keep winning, especially in the head-to-head matchups coming up. It's very important after the Mets. At Puzo Joe says, the real test starts with the Rays and Astros series. Also with the Orioles. The Orioles may be way ahead of them, but that's, you know, you got to beat them too. You got to make an indentation all over the place. At Bart Akasella 1 says, I mean, Colorado is bad too, so I'll take it. Yeah, like I said, like we've been saying, just another example of a series they should have at least won but didn't, so that's that's valid. All right, let's finish off the usual final two. I think I've read more than enough, just a lot of replies as usual. I have to thank you guys a million like I always do, like I always make sure to do. But yeah, we're running down on time here, and I've read as many as I could. So let's do the usual final two. First up is my lovely girlfriend at Vic Salimo saying they've proven that even bad teams can beat them this season. So this could just be a good series for them that would be followed by a bad one. Or it could be a turnaround. 
Their inconsistency makes me unsure. I'm going with taking advantage, but I'd prefer the former. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> We've spoken about the inconsistency. I had my line before, and I was talking about Glaber. How important it is to have any sort of a symbol of any kind of consistency in a time of great inconsistency. That's the definition of the 2023 season at large for the Yankees. So you're definitely right. The inconsistency is what has a lot of people being undecided, as we've heard from more people than just you, Vic. So totally, totally understand. But it could be either one. But yeah, obviously you hope it's a turnaround. That's what you hope for. Last but certainly not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, saying, Hi, Mike. Hi, Mom. Well, although it was a super amazing weekend to sweep a team again, I'm not sure that means a team can turn it around. I do believe anything is possible, however. It would always be welcomed. I still will hope it's possible to turn it around. But for me, without Judge still, the season is pretty much over, I would say. Yeah, Judge does hold that much value for me too, Mom. You know that. So I totally understand. I get it. It depends on when he gets back. And whether or not the veterans can hit while he continues to be out, especially with these vital series coming up, I totally understand. It's You're right for feeling that way. Everybody's feelings, basically everybody throughout this had very sound reasoning for their opinions, and I respect it. And even the ones who are just automatically like, yeah, it's not a turnaround, or yeah, it is a turnaround, without giving reasons for either, you have reasons to feel both ways. There are reasons out there. That is something often forgotten amongst a lot of debates, that certain aspects of both sides of an argument can be true. And oftentimes, that's what makes a debate good. So bear that in mind. I leave you with that thought to end yet another social media segment here today, and thereby another Yappy Yankees episode. Can you believe it? Another one is done. That's 189 episodes, guys. Next week is episode 190. We're within 10 episodes at that point of the bicentennial episode, episode 200 of Yapping Yankees, which should come towards the end part of the 2023 season if the timing does line up correctly. And we are here for basically every week going out from here. We'll see what happens. But I have no idea what I'm going to do for episode 200 yet. (laughs) However, it is still just beyond exciting. I cannot believe it's that close. 200 freaking episodes over four years worth of Yankees coverage here with yours truly on Yapping Yankees. But for now, that's for later. (laughs) For now, that is all for episode 189 of Yapping Yankees today, my friends. I believe we've covered just about everything that we possibly could. (laughs) Remember to follow me on all social medias if you do not already. Mike Scudero NY for Facebook. Twitter is at Mike Scudero, and Instagram is MikeScuds97. Be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love on all four like you all always do such a great job at doing, and I appreciate you all to the ends of the earth for it, as always, of course. And if you missed any Yapping Yankees episodes, episodes 34 up to episode 189 today, they're all available on YouTube. And every single Yapping Yankees episode going back over four years ago, back to the very first episode, every single one from then up to today's episode could all be heard on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. But once again, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today, my good friends. I have been your host. Mike Scudero, as always, and I will talk to you next Sunday, July 30th, for the last episode of the month of July already. It's crazy. When I come at you with episode 190 of Yapping 
Yankees. But until then, guys, you know the deal, especially when it comes to the Yankees. Hang in there and be patient, but also stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. Go ahead and kick life's ass this week, my friends, especially no matter what the Yankees are doing. Still kick life's ass. No excuses. Put in the work and get what you got to get done, done. And in the meantime, hopefully we can get continued good news with injuries, for instance. And also, we'll see how they do against the Mets on Tuesday and Wednesday. And the very tough task that will be the Baltimore Orioles next weekend. You will also, like I said earlier, possibly get guys in the injury sense rehabbing like Jonathan Luizga, which is good. We'll see how Judge continues to progress and see the positives that come from that process after he took his first live BP today against Luizga. We'll just see what happens going forward this next week. Big tests coming up, and like I said, Thursday being the last off day for the Yankees until almost mid-August. So they have a tough task ahead of them. The picture will become clearer. Lots of things ahead, too, like the deadline, for instance. Lots to come, my friends. But all we can do is take it one day at a time, one game at a time, one week at a time, and just go from there. That's all we can do. And with this week in front of us, they got the Mets and the Orioles. See how they fare against them. And it may or may not shed some more light on the ultimate question, rooting back to the title of the episode. Could this be the start of a comeback? And no matter how ridiculous it may sound because of the constant inconsistency this year, could the Yankees be for real at this point after a good weekend against the crappy Kansas City Royals? Time will tell. But until then, my friends, until next Sunday, at least the 30th, take care and let's go Yanks. Yanks.